Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Pro Tour Talk with Steve Dodge. I'm Steve Dodge. Today is August 8th, 2018. Tomorrow, the Ledgestone starts. In this episode, we'll do our AMA. We will have a discussion about entry fees and if they should be significantly raised. We will do our podcast of the week and we will do a quick little things to watch at the Ledgestone. Thank you guys very much. Another episode of Pro Tour Talk starts right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ask Me Anything section of Pro Tour Talk. We've got two questions this week. Actually, one comment that I want to discuss a question and the part two of the What Will It Take to Make the Tour Championship? So, starting first with the comment. Here's a comment from Fred. Thank you very much, Fred. Uh, this isn't a question, but rather a suggestion for how to increase women's participation in the sport. My wife and I have attended three days of Idlewild the last two years, especially enjoying following the women. I believe those rounds usually lasted around four hours. My wife has to plan her liquid intake carefully because of a lack of restroom facilities. I'm sure she isn't the only one with this problem. We noticed the women players ducking into the woods occasionally during their rounds between holes. It may not be possible in every course, but access to even a porta potty every few holes might help get more women watching and playing. The modern restroom trailer near hole one was a nice addition. So uh, thank you very much, Fred. This has been a conversation for multiple years at this point. And in fact, uh, some of the women brought it up at the Discraft Great Lakes Open, which was a huge course. And uh, what we've done this season is we've tried to get two porta potties or two two holes with bathrooms on the course. Last year, uh, yeah, last year we had one. This year we've tried to expand it to two. And in fact, uh, on day two, due to some of the women mentioning that's a pretty long track out there in Milford, Michigan, at the toboggan, um, John actually put an extra porta potty on porta potty on hole six. So they actually had three on holes six, twelve, and then again one eight, one and eighteen. The point that you bring up that is super interesting that I had failed to notice is the spectators needing access to porta potties on the course. Um, I think rightly our first consideration is making sure that the players are happy and taken care of, but the next thing is to make sure that spectators who are coming out to watch those players are also happy and taken care of. So. Uh, this is something that I have already talked with Danielle about and will be a something we focus on in 2019. Um, here's to a minimum of three restrooms out on the course at some points and uh, maybe up to six. So we'll see if we can find some, uh, some people who would like to help make that happen, put some advertisements on and in the porta-potties. So if you or anybody would like to advertise in the porta potties and help the, the women uh, go around the track without having to duck into the woods occasionally, uh, feel free to reach out to Danielle. Uh, her email is danielle at dgpt.com. She's gonna head up this little aspect of making life better for the women. So Fred, thank you very much. That is something we will focus on next year. It will improve and it will continue to improve for both the players and the spectators. Question number two, uh, will Paul Macbeth be playing the Ledgestone Open? Uh, 
Yes. All right, race fans, we're going to go on to the part two of last week's Ask Me Anything. What does it take to get into the Tour Championship? On the men's side, we're talking about the top 16 positions who will get a buy into the quarterfinals, and then the top 32 positions will get into the Tour Championship. So what we did was we took the players' current points, we took however many events they have left to play, which uh, goes from zero for someone like Seppo Paiu up to two for most of the players. Uh, and then we calculated how many points they got per event uh, so far in the season. You add all that together at the end, and you get an estimated points that they'll have after the next two events. Obviously, Reality might set in for some of these players, and they might not perform the same. They might perform better. They might perform worse. So, looking at this, Nate Perkins currently sits in 13th place. He's averaging 43.3 points per event. Add that to his current 216 points. After the next two events, Ledgestone and MVP, he's going to have, we're guessing, 303 points. If you remember, in last week's episode, we estimated that it would take 330 points to get in the top eight. So realistically, unless Nate ends up in the top three at one of these two events, he's pretty solidly in the top 16. Simon Lazat uh, is only playing one more event, but he is Simon Lazat. We fully expect him to end up somewhere around 250 points, around the same point as Colton Montgomery. And the fourth person in the top 16 uh, is genuinely a surprise. Anthony Barella has played two events so far. He's got sixth in both of them. If he does that again, he could leapfrog from, where is he right now? He's in, I don't even know, 30th, something like that. He could leapfrog all the way up to 16th and get a first round bye in the Tour Championship. Now, The number that even more people are interested in, what's the cut going to be to get in the top 32 so I get an invite? That cut is looking like it's going to be around 162 to 163. The guess right now is that Zach Johnson is going to get 163 and Seppo Paiu is going to get 162. Seppo's played four events so far this season, averaging a little over 40.5 points per event. That 162 is, the way we're looking at it right now, is going to put him in 33rd, one position out of the Tour Championship. Now, having said that, if anybody in the top 32 does not show up, the the spot goes to the 33rd position. If two people don't show up, 33rd and 34th show up. And interestingly, so I went ahead and included 33rd, 34th, and 35th in these calculations just to see what would happen, assuming 10% of the people don't show. Seppo Paiu, Dave Felberg, and Tim Barham are the three people right outside of the cut who would benefit from people not showing up. So all of this is spelled out in our news section. You can go look at the chart. It's pretty fun if you like looking at numbers. If you just want to know what is it going to take me to get into the Tour Championship, I think 170 points is going to be safe. 160 points is going to be on the bubble. So uh, 
25th gets about 25 points. If you need 50 points, you need to get 25th twice. It's that simple. Let's go to the women's side now. And on the women's side, to get into the Tour Championship, you have to be in the top 12 to earn a spot. Again, that presumes that everybody attends. If somebody does not attend, then 13th and 14th and 15th would be invited, depending how many people do not claim their spots. When I go to UDisc Live and I look at these numbers, one thing that is really fun is when we pull up the Pro Tour standings is you get to see Ricky and Paige holding up their trophies, huge smiles uh, as they won the Tour Championship and the Tour Points last year. Uh, it's pretty interesting because the first season, 2016, the player that won Tour Points did not win the Tour Championship. 2017, they both did win the Tour Championship and Tour Points. So, uh, very exciting. Those guys walked away with two, two rings each, which is super fun. And uh, I love seeing those smiles. And it'll be great to have Ricky back in the States on the Pro Tour. He and Paul will be battling it out with uh, a couple hundred of their favorite people at the Ledgestone this upcoming weekend. So looking at the top 12 going forward, there's really not a lot of drama. Lisa Fakus is currently in fifth. In order for her to bump into the top four and get a bye to the semifinals, she basically needs to win one of the next two events, um, which is possible. She just won last weekend, so maybe she's going to be on a roll. Uh, Madison Walker, who is right behind her, also won last weekend. If she wins, who knows? Maybe she could make a, make a move as well. Looking at 10th, 11th, 12th, and then 13th, 14th, 15th, uh, Kona Panis, uh, 268 points. She should be safe. Courtney Cannon, 176 points. She's playing in the next two events. She should be safe. Tina Stenitis, 162 points. She's playing the next two events. Uh, she got 17th at the last event. Uh, not a great finish. She's the one to watch. It might be interesting, the battle for 12th. Um, person right behind her is Jen Allen, who is not, in fact, playing either of the final two events. And then we have uh, Nicole Pickle, Dionysio, Holly Finley, right there behind them. If Nicole and or Holly have good results at Ledgestone and MVP, they could potentially catch Tina. Um, it looks like the number to beat is going to be right around 210. And uh, Nicole has averaged just under 50 at her three events, and she's got two events left. If she can keep that average up, she's going to be right around 220. So uh, that would put her potentially just past Tina if Tina continues to get 35 points as she did at Idlewild. So the battle for 12th is on, and it is between Tina, Nicole, and Holly. Good luck to all three of them. We will be watching. Thank you all very much. This has been Ask Me Anything. If you would like to submit a question that we will answer on next week's Pro Tour Talk, go to dgpt.com AMA. So, continuing on the women's side, we go to the power rankings. On the women's side, Lisa Fakus cards the win, as does Paige Bjorkus and Madison Walker. 
they all card the wins and understandably go up in their winning percentage. Lisa Fakus uh, stays in fifth place, but her winning percentage goes up by almost a full percent. Paige Bjerkus actually advances past Vanessa Van Dyken and is now ranked 10th. She went up 1%. Vanessa Van Dyken dropped 1.1%. And uh, that is the big story on the women's side, although we've got to give a shout-out to... Who are we giving the shout-out to? We have to give a shout-out to Henna Blomroos. Apologies for pronunciation. Uh, she also carded a victory in Europe, and once she gets a couple more events under her belt, she will launch into the power rankings in the top five. Should be a very exciting uh, thing to watch. That'll be the highest that a uh, European women's player has been ranked. Now we go over to the men's side. And first things first, I have to give a call out, a shout out to Jeremiah Dwyer. Uh, he correctly noticed that Nicolo Castro, who had not been mentioned in our write-up, won an A-tier over Kevin Jones. That got me to looking into what exactly was going on in the rankings. And the power rankings actually, uh, because we wrapped around, we, uh, the power rankings keep track of the last 37 events. And as the, uh, the event that Nico won was our 38th qualifying event, it wrapped around. And so it, the, uh, the calculator didn't, wasn't able to have three events at the bottom, 35, 36, 37, and one event at the top, and then realize that those should all be not counted for the previous week. It, anyway. Uh, there was an error in the algorithm as a short version, and we caught it because of Jeremiah Dwyer. So Nicolo Castro, in fact, did move up one, power, one spot in the power rankings. Uh, he is now ranked 11th. Uh, Kevin Jones actually dropped one spot in the power rankings, and he is now ranked 9th. Interestingly, Nico just beat Kevin. Kevin is ranked two spots above him. Uh, Chris Dickerson also carded a victory over James Conrad and uh, launched up 2.6% winning percentage, moved up a spot. He's now ranked eighth. James Conrad, uh, his winning percentage actually increased, carding a second, does that a lot, uh, increased, and he actually moved up a spot as well. He and Nico both passed Kale Laviska, who was off this week. Seppo Payu, who had a strong event over in Europe, jumped up three spots, and he is now ranked 13th. We actually mentioned, that's the second time we mentioned Seppo in one episode. So. There's your, well, that's, that's the power rankings. That's the movers and the shakers. But your top five right now in the power rankings, Eagle McMahon at 97% winning percentage, Ricky Wysocki, 92.6% winning percentage, Paul McBeth, 90.8, call it 91%, Simon Lazad at 87%, and Nate Sexton at 81%. So we've got basically got Eagle McMahon all alone at 97. Ricky, Paul, and Simon are all between 88 and 92. And then it drops off again to go down to Nate Sexton and Drew Gibson, who are at 80 and, 70, and 77, respectively. And that's your top six. And look forward to uh, getting everybody back together at the MVP Open. Eagle and Simon will not be at Ledgestone, but basically everybody else and their brother will be. It should be a quite a fest. Get ready to watch. Live coverage starts Thursday at 4.15.
for the men at four o'clock for Circle Zero and at three o'clock for the women, same day, shot-by-shot coverage, brought to you by Terry Miller and his exciting disc golf crew. All right, everybody, we will now be doing our topic of the day. The topic of the day was brought to us by James Proctor. He proposed raising the entry fees of Pro Tour events to $500. It's an interesting conversation, one that I genuinely don't see any reason to do. And so we've decided to bring in Dixon Jowers to help explain to us why this might be a good idea. Uh, With that, I'm going to hand it over to Dixon. Um, Okay, so, I mean, the precedent is out there. Um, in in other sports. There are times where people uh, do have higher entry fees. If you think about the World Series of Poker, you have all of these different events of varying um, entry fees, and then they have something called the One Drop, which is a a million-dollar entry fee, whereas the regular World Series of Poker is $10,000. So there's a giant increase. Now, granted, there was 7,400 people that played in the the World Series of Poker main event, and I think 27 that played in the One Drop. So, yes— the 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 first uh, 27 people put in one million dollars each yes and was the winning prize 27 million it was it it was like eight million or something like that. okay so they still paid out yeah multiple people okay um yeah and actually the person that won the one drop tournament made more than the person that won the main event the main event being the 27 times one million no, no. The one drop is the twenty-seven times one million. Oh, okay. The main event was seventy-four hundred something people times at ten thousand, ten k. And yeah. who won more? The one drop person. The twenty-seven times yes. a million. Okay. Yes. Um, and that's so, our goal. Um, well, that's just saying that's one of the uh, that's one of the reasons to do it um, because you're 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 going to increase payout, right? So for that, one person. Well, for lots of people. Because there, there's just a lot more money involved. Now, so, so now the t- downside did tenth, is... Did, did the guy at the, uh, let's say, ninth, which is one-third of 27, did he get the same as one-third of the... Uh, they don't pay out a third in poker. They pay out less. Oh, okay. Um, I'd have to go look and see okay. anyway. uh, approximately. But yes, um, uh, so that's the downside, right? That's the, that's the thing people say is, well, you're going to lose a bunch of people. Right. Okay. Um, so here's a couple of reasons why I think it could work. Um, uh, now... If your goal is to have as many people in the tournament as possible, this is antithetical. This this goes opposite of that. So if that's your stated goal, then this wouldn't be a good idea. Um, but if you increase the entry fees, uh, some of the things that you're going to do, um, you increase payout because there's a lot more money in the purse. I mean, what's an entry fee right now for a Pro Tour event? 200 Okay. So, I mean, that's what, a 150% increase in, in the amount of uh, money that's coming in as far as um, entry fees? Now, if there's a ton of added money, it might end up being not a very appreciable raise in, in right. the amount. Right. Um, but that's another discussion. Um, so it's going to increase the amount of money that's involved. It's going to increase the seriousness of the golfers. Um, they're gonna if they know that, man. There's a lot more money to be won. The, the, I think you're going to see a shift, it, it, even as you've seen a shift over the last few years, of kind of. Uh, of more people out there traveling, more people taking it serious like that, I think you're going to see that become even a bigger deal. Um, and while you will drop the 950 rated local that's that's going to show up and put his $200 into the pot, uh, you'll lose a lot of those guys. Um, there are the guys that you're going to see, hey, you know, I'm not going to go play every Pro Tour event, but the one in my town, 
uh, man, I'm going to practice for five months for that thing. I'm going to be ready for that one because I've got the opportunity to go make a bunch more money. Um, I mean, it's it's why you see a whole bunch of random people show up for the World Series of Poker or show up to a casino in general, right? Maybe right. today's Absolutely. my day. Today's my day to, to win a whole lot. Whereas now, if you show up at an event and you get 20th place, congratulations, here's your $163. You know, like it's not that, and I'm not saying that's the Pro Tour event, but that, that's kind of the mentality is if I don't get top five, top 10, it, this isn't really big deal money. So first thing first, if you cash a Pro Tour event, you're getting around 300, 350 from last cash, yeah. just about. Uh, second thing, I'd like to go through a calculation of how much money we're really talking about adding, mm-hmm. if, if we are talking about adding any money. But a thought that occurred to me, if I was a player and we could, and my, and my sponsor pays my entry fees, mm-hmm. I might look at raising the entry fees from 200 to 500 as, t- and then you multiply it by the number of players, that's 300 times the number of players of basically free cash. Mm-hmm. However, if every player gets their entry fees paid by the sponsors, and you know, let's say, let's say you have ten players you're doing that for, and they go play twenty events, and twelve of them are pro tour events, you've just increased per player thirty six hundred dollars times ten. That's thirty six thousand extra dollars that mm-hmm. the sponsor's paying. That is not free cash. Oh sure. That money, that thirty six thousand dollars is going to be taken out of mm-hmm. something else in all likelihood that they currently give the players. Yeah. Because uh, the eyeballs isn't going up, you know, it's not going up by 150 mm-hmm. percent. So, in all that, that for me would be the one thought. Hey, my sponsor's paying anyway, so it's free money to me. Well, there's, I mean, I, I don't think we need to overstate that. Um, I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying, but there, I don't think there's this giant portion of traveling pros that are getting every one of their entry fees covered by their sponsors. Plenty of those, plenty of the guys that are playing pro tour events are still paying their own events, uh, and they're getting reimbursed or they're getting, um, uh, you know, some sort of discount. But uh, I think what that would be is that that would be a level of sponsorship that would then become much more valued, of course. Uh, and it wouldn't be given to everybody; it would only be given to the to the top players of each team of we're going to pay your events. So you mentioned also that we'd whittle out. We, we'd probably have less players, and mm-hmm. I think that's well, clearly that's true. If you right. charge more for something, you get less people. Um, and a thought that I'm having on the the counter to that, the 950 local that's paying 200, and some of our events are up to 250. So who, who's paying 200 to 250? Uh, if you said okay, now it's 500, he's already paying 200 to 250, and basically he's paying for the right to potentially be able to play with a high quality player in that first round, mm-hmm. and to really see how he stands up. A 950 rated player can put up a thousand rated round, sure. and he wants to see if I'm playing next to uh, insert a, a top rated player, can I do it too? Mm-hmm. Um, you you would lose some, but you might not lose as many as you expect because right. the event's gaining more prestige. Well, and I think you you might gain a couple of people because there are people that are like, well, what am I going to play with? All? You know, I'll end up on a card with a bunch of 950 locals. Oh, it's only going to be the best of the best are going to play this. Hey, maybe I'll maybe I'll show up and play now. Uh, but I think there's a there's a tipping point, and we don't know what the tipping point is. Right. Um, but yes, increasing the entry fee is going to drop the number of players at some point. 
Maybe 250 doesn't drop it. Maybe 300 doesn't drop it. Maybe it's not till 350 that it that you see people drop off. So there is, I think, room to move um, uh, to kind of figure out where that where that sweet number is. So there's there's two other sides to this uh, that I think are worth, and I still want to go through that calculation real quick. If we want to come up with a you know what's this really going to do, um, but when you go from uh, from 250 to 300. Basically, what I what I was told, I didn't take many business classes, but the one I told what I took said, if you're selling out, your price is too low, mm-hmm. and the ideal sale through rate is on the order of eighty five percent. So, if if you have if you have ninety five percent seats filled, you charge too much. You you could make more money by you getting too little. Try, sorry, yes, yeah. you charge too little. You can make more money by charging more mm-hmm. and getting less people in there. And uh, it's, it doesn't quite make sense, but it is, in fact, true. There's, a, there's oh, an yeah. optimal yeah. point of... Now, and then the second question is, is that our goal? Is our goal to maximize that payout or the, in, the income so that goes to payout? Or is the goal to maximize sell, sellout? If we want to... We, we is it better to tout a higher payout, better to tout our events always fill? Um, I mean, I, th- I would imagine that, that it, well, it goes to who are you trying to please? If you're trying to please the players, then I think you would say the payout is, is, the, is the better value. Is, that's the thing you want to tout. If you're trying to please uh, the local city about uh, we're going to have this many people show up, then you want to have as many, as many players as possible. Um, so it just becomes what your, what's your goal. Well, I, I wouldn't worry too much about the, the number of players in the event for the local visitors bureaus. Uh, while that is an aspect of it, uh, the spectators is, is becoming the thing that they care more about, mm-hmm. which, which is the exact goal of the Pro Tour. Right. Um, if we have 100 players or we have 150 players, that's not a huge difference. But if those 100 players attract uh, 5,000 spectators instead of 2,000 spectators, that is a big difference, mm-hmm. and that's what the Visitors Bureau is going to care about. Sure. Now, so let's say, um, uh, I don't know, how many people do we have in this event? 160 in open, in men's open? I, I feel like it's 180. Okay, 180. I, yeah. If the entry fee plus, went plus to... The, plus the women's side. Right. Just 25 or so. Sure, sure. So if the, if the entry fee went up to 500, it, just if you had to ballpark it, mm-hmm. what would that 180 drop to? That's what I don't have any right. idea about. But but that's, mo- so most, likely, that's most likely going to be your local guys or your guys within a couple of hours, right? The it, guy that's decided to come play here from eight hours away, like he's he's already made the choice that I'm going to play Ledgestone. It, it might drop to 60 and it might drop to 120. Right. It feels like that's, that's so now as a as a possibility. So you might be losing some players, but I mean, right, right you don't want to you don't want to charge more and give the same product, right? So I mean, Correct. You, you, you want if you're going to say we're going to jump up to five hundred dollars, I think it, it needs to be better payout. But then there's also things that are going to have to improve as well. Um, you know, with that, even though that money's not going to the tournament per se, um, but I mean, if you drop some a bunch of these local players, well, I mean that's a bigger that's a bigger pool to pull uh, volunteers and spectators and all that sort of stuff from to help increase the the quality of the event. At the same time, not that it's not that that's the goal of doing it, but it's not like all of those people just vanish and don't come and spectate or don't volunteer or any right, of that sort of stuff. Right. So let's let's go ahead and look at the women's side, because okay. we've got a, a something on the order of 180 men and 25 women, okay. almost a 10 to one. Um, 
right now it is very hard to be a touring pro on the women's side. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because there's five or six touring pros, maybe seven or eight now, but there's there's less than 10 touring pros. Yes. And if you have a, uh, a field of 25, you're, you're paying out 10. Mm -hmm. And that means you, you can't slip at all. Right. No local can beat you, otherwise you are out of the cash. Mm -hmm. And that is not sustainable. We need to have a larger women's field to support even even the 10 touring pros that we want to get to. Right. If you charge $500, those the number of touring pros on the women's side just fell to three. Mm -hmm. uh, that's... That's, that's yeah, there's there's not enough there's not, not enough work. FPO players to even entertain this idea. Okay, so on the women's side, we cannot and will not do this. Right. Um, on the men's side, we. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I mean, you, you, it, don't, you don't want to do. it. I but, don't want to do it. It just doesn't I, the feel idea right. Is interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, because I mean, it, it's just a matter of finding what the tipping point is. So if the 180 drops to 160, it's totally worth it, right? Absolutely, 100%. Right. And, and for another reason as well, let's pretend we're, we already said we're not doing it on the women's side. Let's pretend we're successful with what we're doing on the women's side. I talked with Rebecca Cox about this last week. Uh, the number of women is going to grow from 24 to 36 to 48. And as the number of women increases, the number of men has to decrease because there's only so much daylight. Right. So... That the sun is not going to stay up an extra ten minutes because we have four more women in the mm -hmm. field. So we will literally have to lose men if we want to accommodate the extra women that we want. Right. It's going to be an interesting question when it occurs, and uh, it, it's interesting that it's come up two weeks in a row. But one way to adjust the men's side potentially is to charge three hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. Then you bring your men down by eight, and you. Leave the women where they are as far as the entry fees. Yeah. And then as time goes forward, uh, the women grow, and then, then we can look at... Right. Well, and the spots, beca it becomes uh, more competitive to be in the tournament. It's not right. It's not just everybody sign up and play whatever you want. Right. Um, you know, uh, just the idea of, well, I hadn't decided if I'm going to play or not. I'll, I'll decide the week before. Um, I mean, like right now, like uh, Masters World starts a week from yesterday. And I haven't decided whether or not I'm going to play, but there's 200 spots still available. Um, so, I mean, it, it, there's like, there's no pressure. Now, Beaver State, y you better sign up in the first seven minutes or whatever. GBO, if you're uh, an advanced guy, I mean, the system crashed because a thousand people tried to sign up at one time. So, there are some tournaments yeah. that, that are that way. Um, but on the whole, you can just, you can sign up for anything, just about any, any of these major events. Yeah, I, uh, I think that. I haven't done the actual calculus on this, but I'm going to guess about half of the Pro Tour events sell out mm -hmm. uh, on the men's side relatively quickly, and half half you can sign up as late as you want. Right. Um, but that's changing. But all of them are increasing. They're getting closer and closer sure. to filling. Uh, and as the women's side grows, maybe the thing to do is to raise entry fees on the men's side mm -hmm. so that we don't have to just lop people off. Or I mean, and, and and I mean, I'm formulating this idea as I'm speaking it. Um, you know, it, tiered registration to get to make sure that you, all your traveling pros, the guys that are committed to the Disc Golf Pro Tour, are getting in. Mm -hmm. But instead of saying, okay, now we're opening it up to everybody that's uh, above 990 and giving them a chance, 
Well, n- now's our for the next week. It's our three hundred dollar entry fee. Oh, there you go. And, and then in the week let, after let that, let the it's market decide. Yeah, yeah. And if somebody's like, I really want to play that, I don't know if I can wait till the two fifty mark. Yeah, I'm going to sign up for the three hundred. Right. And you get your spot first. That's not a bad idea either. Um, so lots of really good conversation here. Uh, I think we made a decision, right? To start doing it. <laughs> no. Um, no. This is a topic of conversation that should be discussed, and uh, going forward, we'll, we'll continue to have this in the back of our head, and I, I thank James Proctor for planting the seed, mm-hmm. and uh, it's interesting how it tied into the number of women growing in the women's side, as the, maybe that's going to become a common theme for many of these discussions, um, but if you have any feedback or thoughts, uh, please uh, give, us a, give us a shout out, and uh, as always, if you have any questions, dgpt.com slash AMA. Let us know what you think and uh, give us your thoughts. Thank you, Dixon. Yes, sir. So that brings us to a quick conversation about things to watch at the Ledgestone. The Ledgestone Insurance Open presented by Discraft is the richest tournament in disc golf. It has been for maybe a handful of years and uh, Nate Heinold and crew do an amazing job. The course has consistently improved over the years. I know the first year or two, there was, sig- there was significant pushback from the players, and now the players actually are starting to enjoy playing Eureka. So there goes it. I've only heard great things on the changes made to Northwoods and Sunset Hills as well. Uh, so the women have two very good courses that are designed for them and uh, the women's side last year went into a playoff with Val Jenkins and Jessica Weiss. It'll be interesting to see uh, if Sarah Hokum and Paige Pierce and Katrina Allen and Lisa Fakus can make a push or will Jessica Weiss be on the podium alone because Val Jenkins isn't here this year. So on the men's side I actually see two things to watch. The first is Obviously, last year, Josh Anton ran away with this event. Uh, Ken, Paul McBeth, Ricky Wysocki, others chase him down. That's the, that's the lead story. But underneath that story, there's a lot of players who are fighting for their pro tour lives, as it were. If you're in the top 32, you make the tour championship, as we've previously discussed. If you're in the top 48, you're a touring pro. Those are two significant numbers. The people to watch right now, if I was Seppo Paiu, who's not playing any more Pro Tour events and sits at 162.43 points, which is right around where the cut's going to be, the people that I would be watching are people like Tim Barham, Charlie Goodpasture, Austin Turner, Alex Russell, A.J. Risley. Noah Mainzma, who started out super hot, is actually playing the final two events in the Pro Tour. He started out really hot at the Memorial and had a great start to his season. And if he can have a great finish to his season, he actually could bump up into the top 32. Uh, Players like Lewis Bittany. These guys are the ones who need to make a push to get into the top 32. Uh, Other players that are probably on the inside right now but need to maintain that I'll also be watching. Andrew Presnell, Devin Owens, Bobby Music, James Proctor, Bradley Williams. These guys, if they keep performing, they should be in. But if any of them have a slip-up, someone below has a new opportunity. 
So it's pretty exciting here at the Ledgestone because we've got, we genuinely have two storylines. Who's going to win this thing and who's going to give them, put themselves in a good position to make the Tour Championship? After the Ledgestone, there's just one more event to make your push. This is going to be a very exciting finish to the season. Stay tuned. And we will close it out with our podcast of the week. This week's podcast is Cabinet of Curiosity. Actually, I think it's Cabinet of Curiosities. And this guy talks about some of the strangest things in the world that you would not believe are true. I just listened to the first episode again before recommending it and the uh, story he tells about. Well, I don't even want to spoil it, but some people advertise a dice game that uh, turns out to be a little funny. So check out Cabinet of Curiosities and enjoy. I hope you all have a fantastic evening. This has been Pro Tour Talk. I'm Steve Dodge. Good night.